0: That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Welcome to the Dominion Podcast. I think this is episode 45. Half... Half, almost half almost halfway, halfway to 100. halfway to ninety at least. Yeah, so. we are halfway to ninety. <laughs> we're not number prejudice here. Like uh, we don't prejudice round numbers no. or even numbers that divide into ten.
2: No, we're numbers
0: inclusive. That's here. right. That's right. Yeah, welcome back. I'm uh, Jeremy, one of your hosts. And I'm Alex, the other, your one. other host. Your other host. <laughs> your other host. So, how's your week been? It's been good. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. I have no short-term memory. You wrote an article for the Hill City um, Substack, which I read. Yeah, conscience. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that was good. They had a good response from that so far.
2: Yeah, I mean Ben. Ben runs our Substack. He said it's got a, a lot of people are subscribing, so that's good. And we just hope to encourage people. Like first and foremost, our church. Yeah, um, we're just using it as basically a, a church blog platform. Yeah. If you want to read it, it's Hill City Baptist um, on substance. Substack, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we I wrote on on conscience and the fact that um, Christians in Canada, in particular, need to really rediscover and recover a comprehensive doctrine of conscience, mm-hmm. and this is something that has historically been a foundation of Protestantism in general, uh, Reformed Protestantism, but Baptistic protestantism in particular as as people have dissented from the state in particular issues and even from ecclesiastical uh, governing authorities on yeah. particular issues they had to think through you know on what grounds can i do that and um with the Reformation came a recovery of the biblical doctrine of conscience. Paul mm. taught extensively on this Yes, in the New Testament. Romans 14 is probably the most extensive, but in 1 Corinthians he touches on it, Second Corinthians, you know. And really, really the idea of toleration and um, uh, of each other's conscience and, and submitting to the rule of law and the rule of Scripture mm. um, is this is the fruit not of a Western democracy, um, but of Scripture? Yeah, we didn't get it from John Locke. No, we definitely didn't. No, and uh, but we've lost that as we wander away from Christ. We're losing kind of these pillars of of not only Protestantism but but Western culture, and that is the freedom yeah. of conscience.
0: Yeah, it's no wonder the world is completely lost on this because the church is too. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. Exactly. There's no moral bearings. And, and the way that unbelief yeah. always goes is totalitarian.
0: I find this myself, even uh, hearing our, our minister of health or whatever, our, our health guy in town here mm. this week going on about how we should all still be wearing masks. Yeah. You just want to get bogged down in an argument about masks mm-hmm. and not actually back up and say, uh, no, this is an issue of conscience. This yeah. is, you, yeah. know, you want to wear it, go ahead. If you don't, then you don't. Yeah. So, yeah. But what are we... Uh, Actually, you know what? Let's do some shout outs first.
2: Yes, yeah, Shade to Kawartha Classical Christian School, our unofficial, they, official uh, partner. They haven't
0: canned us as a, as a partner yet. No. We're still uh, pumping them.
2: Yeah, we are. We are. So, we're proud of them.
0: We're very proud of the work that uh, Rylan and uh, all the ladies are doing, teaching there. And Ben as well. You know, he's not not so much a lady, but uh, all he's the not teachers. so much. <laughs> no, he's a man, a real man. He's got a beard. A <laughs> good Calvinistic beard, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a reform beard. <laughs> reform sure. beard. But not the bad kind of reform, the no. good kind of reform. Yeah. Speaking of reform, you've been following the, um, the kind of uh, simmering debate on Thomas Aquinas and all this stuff you know that's what? going I, on now? No,
2: I see that it's going on, and I haven't had time to look
0: into it. If you're interested, Sam Waldron just put out an article recently uh, on the uh, CTS, the Covenant Theological mm-hmm. Seminary website. Uh, basically saying, like, hey, do we still believe in solo scriptura or Mm -hmm, what? mm -hmm. And so a very good article if you want to get kind of caught up on that simmering controversy that's going on there. But yeah, but yeah, Cortho Classical, always want to partner with them. Also, uh, if you haven't checked out our Substack yet, that's where we're hosting all this stuff now, as well as, uh, I guess, their blog articles. Mm -hmm. It's, It's more of a long form. It is. And you know what, venue, I, right? we got
2: to give a shout out to Substack, yeah. because they came out today on social media, <laughs> and it was a hilarious, I don't know if the lady is, she's obviously in leadership for Substack, yeah. I don't know who she is, but basically saying, you know, that they're hiring, and if you're a disgruntled employee of Twitter who's angry that someone who appreciates free speech is now part of the ownership, um, don't apply. Yeah, don't bother. And uh, on Twitter, <laughs> on Twitter, she said that. <laughs> So um, that was, yeah, that's super cool. And I just want to, I mean, if Substack wants to support this podcast, they're welcome to. They're not going to, but we, we think it's good when people stand up for freedom of expression.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to tonight's topic. I don't know how we want to summarize it. Um, again, so many of the things we talk about kind of touch on the same areas. Yeah. And I've been listening to. Uh, They're on, on brand. Uh, on brand, yeah. <laughs> I've been listening to a, a new podcast called um, The King's Hall. Yep. And they've been talking a lot about topics around this. And so that's what kind of got me thinking about it. But I guess you could say we're going to be talking about uh, Christ and culture. Yep. What is the Christian's mission in the culture apart from the mission? Of, is it apart from the mission of the church or is that one in the same? Mm-hmm. I guess we could. We could start off with that. I don't know where you want to start the discussion. Yeah, well, but this is this is a super practical
2: question for people because mm-hmm. at the bottom of it, it's like how ought I spend my time and resources and energy in this world, right? And it's not a an ethereal theological conversation. It's just super practical. It's that what is the mission and the aim of my life, and where am I going to invest my time, and what am I going to pour myself into? Well, I have breath to live. And the answer to that question is really shaped by your understanding of the story of Scripture and the understanding of the role, the, the place in the story that the church finds itself now, mm-hmm. which is um, really part of a bigger story of, well, what is the role of the church and where is it going? And throughout the course of history, Christians have had a variety of answers to this question. Um, I think Canadians in particular need to think about this because we've been engaged in what we could call a culture of war more than we ever have been in the last two years. I I mean, when you think of culture wars, you think America. And it's almost a, um, like politics in general, it's viewed as almost an unsightly thing to engage in culture wars. And Mm -hmm. Canadians are generally... Quiet about these things. And as we've discussed before, they put those those issues um, in a different category altogether. Not really the responsibility of Christians. And we've been trying to dismantle that false categorization of things. But um, one of the one of the you know dangers of this compartmentalized view is that Christians won't engage in the fundamental tasks that God's given us, which is to create um, culture, yeah, and when you say that, even people think what you mean is um, just make music and paint pictures and engage in what they might consider, um, you know, irrelevant activities. And evangelism, yeah. for example, is the only thing that's important. Yeah, and um, even
0: even viewing culture as as synonymous with music and art mm-hmm. is kind of missing the point. Those mm-hmm. things are. The fruit and the flower mm-hmm. of culture.
2: Yeah. So when we say culture, one of the most helpful things is to define it. Yeah. Because a lot of, you can get off track when you're just making assumptions about what that is. Culture is is simply put, um, and Joe talks about this in The Mission of God, and I've, I've heard Doug as well, um, religion externalized. Mm-hmm. So culture is simply… People um, acting out their pe- core
0: beliefs. Exactly. in a gr- In a large group.
2: Yes. So, yeah. if it is a song or it is a piece of uh, visual art, absolutely, that is a reflection of our if it's, beliefs.
0: If it's a legislation or if it's it could be a law, yeah, laws, city planning, yep, whatever, you know?
2: architecture, yeah. relationships, marriage, children, education, healthcare, all of these things, sports, recreation, yeah, are a reflection of our religious commitments. All of them are to some degree. Well, if if you think of culture that way, then you realize that almost Every activity is a cultural activity. Um, you are either doing things to the glory of God and the worship of the creator, or are you are doing things for the glory of man and the worship of the creation. That's that's, that's it. Mm. So if we think of it that way, then we realize that culture building is not an optional thing. It's not like, which, oh, well, yeah. those guys focus on culture building, but we focus on evangelism.
0: It's that's not, a wrong yeah. way to think of it's it. It's not whether, it's, but which. Which right? culture?
2: Yeah. And um, this goes back to to Genesis 1. And you think about the biblical category of dominion, which we summarize as living under the reign of Christ and ruling over creation. Well, that is to say you are creating culture. You are seeking to live in this world and bring all things in subjection to Christ and by living under his rule. And so um, Christians need... I think we need to have a, a bigger vision for the way that Christ right. relates to this world. Uh,
0: you started off sort of talking about what, are asking the question, what is the mission of the church? Yeah. And I think to get that right, I think we've got to back up to Genesis yeah. again. Because um, in, in a sense, it's the same mission we've always had since the beginning. Yeah. Right? Um, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Take dominion. Uh, take dominion right well the 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 new testament commission is not really any different than that right go no it's
2: not like that was then and now it's evangelism no evangelism which is preaching the gospel to the um unbeliever the what the gospel does is it actually frees The unbeliever from the slavery to sin and opens their eyes Mm -hmm. to see the glory of the sun and transfers them from the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom. It it actually, his rule
0: It literally expands the kingdom of God, it
2: expands the kingdom of God and it sets them free to finally be taking dominion. As Paul says, you we are no longer under the dominion of sin, you know, and so. Um, The task of dominion is not like an old covenant thing, and now the task of evangelism is a new covenant thing. Right. Um, The task of evangelism, which is proclaiming Christ crucified, um, is not an end in itself.
0: It's the tip of the spear. It's the tip
2: of the spear. And what the fruit of evangelism is, is through faith and repentance and the conversion of sinners, um, the kingdom is expanded. So the criticism you hear against people who talk about culture is often, "Oh, you think you will, you know, extend the kingdom through politics or through art, or and and perhaps people have erred in communicating in a way that would suggest that that's wrong." Yeah, uh, recycling won't save the planet, and um, the kingdom of God is not expanded through unbelief. The kingdom of God is only expanded um, through. The gospel through mm-hmm. faith and repentance in Christ and um, confessing his name as people submit to the king. Right. There's no kingdom where people don't
0: submit to the king. Right. I think, though, uh, the same error we make when we talk about law and, uh, you know, law and gospel, where we say, well, the gospel is about getting saved and then now we're not under the law. Mm hmm. And we stop there, right? And so, but the point of the gospel is to give us hearts that, want, that want to obey God. The law, law will be written on their hearts. So the law is still going to be, we still want to do the law, but we're not doing it to be saved. We're not doing it to earn God's favor. We're doing it because we love him yeah. and his way is best. Yeah. And so I think people stop with the gospel and say, okay, uh, you're saved. You're in the kingdom. That's, I mean, you're, you're, at, the, you're at the terminus. But we're asking the question, what should the fruit of that be for mm-hmm. a culture? Mm-hmm. Let's say there was a large revival in Peterborough. What would we expect to see happen differently uh, in the public square?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and even if you just go to the Great Commission, right? Um, you know, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of the nations, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. Mm-hmm. And behold, I'm with you even to the end of the age. But... We are to not only um, preach the gospel to win converts, we are to disciple them and to teach them to obey everything Jesus commanded. Well, Mm -hmm. Jesus commanded, um, gave commands that apply to every single aspect of our life. And there's a a somewhat of a Gnostic dualism, an idea that there's the spiritual and there's the material, or there's the spiritual and then there's the present, or something like that. And it's, this creeps into the church in a variety of ways, but it's really not good. And um, w- if we're going to obey the Great Commission, we need to view discipleship as a comprehensive project. It means teaching men how to be husbands and fathers and brothers and elders and members and employees and employers and doctors and politicians. And, and whatever their task in life is, teaching them how to do it as a Christian, mm-hmm. not just teaching them how to get to church on Sunday to sing and to listen. Um, that is that is the kind of the fuel for our fight. But that is just, the, then we need to you know, get into the battle, so to speak, um, the other six days of the week. So all of these things have really impacted how Christians in Canada have thought through their relationship to culture. There's kind of a retreatist mentality you Mm -hmm. know there's a um, fatalist mentality there's a an eschatological aspect to this where people have a story in their mind where this world we're essentially fighting the long defeat as you said Um, that there's no there's no promise of victory Mm -hmm. you know in the gospel um, that hopefully some people believe but otherwise the world is going to hell in a handbasket but Paul tells us that Jesus is going to remain in heaven until his enemies are made a footstool. And the gospel will be preached into all of mm-hmm. the earth. And the startling and controversial and glorious hope-filled claim of Christ is that by virtue of his death and resurrection and his ascension, he has subjected all things to himself. Mm-hmm. And he is subjecting all things to himself. And which is to say, he is establishing a Christian culture. Like that—that's yeah. all Christian culture means. It means the religion of the people is transformed to um, live under the reign of Christ. Hmm. So it's like, well, we're not—we're about evangelism, not about culture. It's like, well, then you're not about evangelism, because evangelism results in the changing of a culture um, from a pagan, unbelieving one to a Christian one. So, we need to we need to reject this idea that we just need to focus on the gospel. When you say
0: things like that, it's like what do you mean by gospel? The gospel is how God is restoring all things. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not just it is I guess you could say it's first and foremost the story and the news about how Christ saves guilty sinners. Yeah. And how that's accomplished. But what does it mean that he saves and what does yeah. it mean to sin? Like To reduce
2: it, you have to reduce both of those things. You have to say salvation is merely being born again or something or in going to heaven. And sin is like not obeying a few particular commands. But sin is actually failing to glorify God Mm -hmm. in any and every area of our life. Failure to conform to his standard, failure to do things with the right motive in mind for his glory, and being saved is it requires that we are born again and that we are genuinely converted but that we are saved to a life mm-hmm. of glorifying God whether mm-hmm. we eat or drink or whatever we do We're saved
0: unto good works yes
2: yeah. um so it's like we need to expand our understanding it's not less than those things it's not, and this is what kind of the lip the left leaning theological world does they would look at a reductionistic thing and say well that's reductionistic therefore. Since salvation includes care for the poor, they do the same thing. That's what it means to be saved. Yeah. And we want to say, no, 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 no. It's all of it. Mm -hmm. It's a comprehensive thing. As far as the curse is found, that's as far as his blessings flow. Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let me ask you this. So I I opened this up by reading from the book of Judges. Yeah. Part of the story of Gideon. Yeah. Right? He receives the call. And one of the first things he does is he goes and chops down his dad's Asherah pole and yeah. breaks down the statue of Baal. Um, that that would be shocking for people. Like, and it is for a lot of Christians nowadays. If you attack the idols of the culture, mm-hmm. uh, you're seen as, um, um, you know, unloving or shrill or yeah, uh, I don't know. Any number of, of accusations could be leveled at you. But isn't the work of the gospel also destroying idols Mm -hmm. like do we do we just or do we just leave them be and let them let them rot you know you know you see what i'm getting at is oh yeah is there an active call to go out into the public and destroy the altars
2: yeah um I mean, that's what evangelism is. Yeah, I'm
0: not talking tearing down a statue of John A. McDonald. I'm t- like, <laughs> you know, I'm talking about.
2: Well, the, the, the progressives
0: get this. They do. Well, I, I mean,
2: they understand <laughs> evangelism. They understand yeah. that there's, there's, um, everything is communicating some message. They understand that what's antithetical to theirs and they're seeking to destroy it. Yeah. And only their good news is actually horrible news, and it leads to, you know, a dumpster fire of hell. Yeah, and what we're saying is our confrontation leads to life and blessing in the kingdom of God, and yeah. So um, this is the problem with a privatized version of faith, and I've written about this. I think in our first Substack, I wrote about this about the Christian faith is always personal, um, but it's never private, and this has to do with the identity of Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus Christ is. Lord, the very name and title and identity given to Jesus Christ and proclaimed by his people was a direct assault and challenge and um, condemnation of the vanity of the rulers of men who would set themselves up as Lord Mm. and Savior, as Caesar did. And so, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his ascension above all rule and principalities and authorities and dominions, is inherently challenging to idols, challenging to vain, arrogant humanity that sells, sets himself up against the Son of God. I mean, Romans begins with, the wrath of God has now been revealed. And so, um, the death and resurrection of Jesus was not like the permission to not care about idols anymore. It was, it was the opening you know, volley in the war against them in, in the final defeat of them. Right. And he, and Jesus overcomes idols in mm-hmm. this time by winning sinners to himself away from idolatry to the worship of the true God. And he will one day do away with idols by destroying them. Mm-hmm. So again, it's like, well, it's not really our place to challenge. It's, it's just built on a false view of Christ. And um, it's, a, it's an anachronistic way of reading our cultural values back into Scripture and failing to comprehend just how obviously confrontational yeah. not only Jesus Jesus was. People forget that the Pharisees were the ruling class. They were the cultural leaders. They were the judicial leaders. They were the religious leaders. They were his greatest enemies. They were the idolaters and the ones who led others in idolatry. They, they attacked him. And he returned in kind for the sake of other people. Mm -hmm. Um, This was the challenge of the early church. You know, Rome cared very little that you worshipped Jesus Christ at all. They did care that you wouldn't worship Caesar. Yeah. So we we need to realize a lot of our thinking on the way that Jesus relates to culture is based on Canadian values of compartmentalization, privatized faith, this type of thing not biblical values mm. so then maybe we could we could pivot this conversation that you know if all of a sudden there's meaning to the activities that we engage in are there, either we are living each of our lives to the gro- glory of god and creating culture um, you know expressing our religion in everything that we do um, the the question then is like oh well, I guess this can apply to every sphere of my life, and it's not private. And then it's like, well, are there more or less effective ways we should be doing this? Mm -hmm. And it's this theology of a comprehensive view of Christ and his reign over creation and his supremacy in redemption that leads us to plant churches, that leads us to start families, that leads us to start schools, that leads us to start businesses. All of a sudden, these things are not just necessary evils that we must endure while we get to the real work of evangelism or something like that, or church attendance. These things are part of our strategy and our fight against the darkness, and part of our taking dominion and exercising the rule of Christ and living under his reign. It's all part of the same project. And if you don't have this vision, then you'll just be completely passive and unengaged in these things. And it's dangerous because you can sound really spiritual while doing it, right? Yeah. Look, I just i just think we should be praying, trusting the Lord and preaching the gospel. It's like, well, whos I mean, someone drops out of your Bible study. He's like, what are you going to say? you know what i mean i don't think we should be doing those things it's like well
0: no it's a question of what does it mean to be doing those things yeah you know or prayer like what are you praying for yeah
2: are you praying for his kingdom to come and his will to be done
0: on earth as it is in heaven (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah Hmm.
2: and yeah, I mean it's been encouraging to see like we go back to the school with with the orthodox classical yeah, yeah. Christian school. It's been one of the most exciting things I've ever been a part of. And it feels like it is going with the grain of God's purposes for us. You know.
0: Well, he's certainly opened a lot of doors for us. Yeah. And made it possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and to see the progress of the children is uh, unbelievable. So it really does give you that generational view of things Yeah, when you start seeing that. It's like, I think you were ta- we were talking before we started rolling and you mentioned something about how, you know, every generation of Christians since the beginning of the church has thought they were the last generation mm-hmm. of Christians. And there's a lot of truth to it. Actually, I've heard Gary DeMar talk about that. He's He's got a, a large library of, you know, Christians who have written about the apocalypse is like right around the corner. You know, this person's the Antichrist, and 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 all through church history, people writing like this from every different every part of the spectrum, almost. And and uh, it it whether whether you want it to or not, it's going to stunt your activity. What you like, what you expect to happen as far as the end is going to affect how you live. Oh yeah, right. And so if you're if you're expecting. You know, one or two more generations, and then the end. Mm-hmm. You maybe aren't going to start building a cathedral, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if you just, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that everybody that would would take certain eschatological viewpoints has that attitude, mm-hmm. but it is more prevalent in, mm-hmm. in certain certain uh, positions for sure. Yeah. So we need. This is great. We
2: can talk about rejecting an escapist or a retreatist mentality. Yeah. Because if you don't, if you don't have this biblical comprehensive vision, it makes sense that you'd feel like, well, what's the point? And everything around us is going to chaos. We just need to hunker down and make it through. Yeah. And and it's it's like every point of conflict is an opportunity for a strategic surrender. Yeah. You know, or or retreat. Um, but that's that's not the way that the New Testament or the whole Bible. Talks about the mission of God in this world and the role of His people at all, and keep in mind, God put Israel. Israel, I chose you. You were the smallest of nations. Yeah. It's, God didn't. God is not working through our politics in the in a strict and in, in primary sense. Um, God is working through His people who are weak and foolish to display His power yeah. in the world. So part of when we feel like, well, what's the point? We're so small, and this is overwhelming. It's like, have you read the Bible? Like, you do know the church, which is billions now, it began with like one hundred and twenty people in a room in some house in the Middle East praying, yeah. and then the the Spirit of God descended upon them, and within a generation, effectively, the whole known world had heard about Jesus. Like, this is our M.O. You know, to be when I am weak, then I am strong.
0: Yeah, and. And we mistake um, perhaps individual, you know, quote-unquote failure as the failure of the church. Yeah. So you think of a martyr, somebody who's being martyred. It would be really easy at that point in your life to think, well, I guess the gospel's failing, Mm -hmm. you know, or I guess... I guess we lose.
2: No, but Jesus, that's why Jesus writes his church. He says, be faithful unto death and you will receive the crown of life. That we view this very differently. We need to not fight for culture the way the culture fights for culture. Yeah. They fight, the unbelieving culture fights for culture with the weapons of unbelief, coercion, power, yeah. you know, these types of things. Yeah, We don't use those weapons of warfare. No, our
0: weapons are the truth. Right. Exactly. We tear down strongholds. Yes. Um, yeah.
2: And we serve a God who raises the dead. So even if we were all slaughtered, we don't view those things as a defeat. Yeah. We, we view, as, as the church did, the blood of the martyrs as the seed of the church. Like yeah. we just, well, I guess some more seeds went into the ground, right? Yeah. And God's going to raise up a, a harvest out of that. And we need a total recalibration. I think maybe what's beneath this is we're viewing success in a worldly way. It's like, well, what's the point of fighting the culture because we can't win? It's like, what do you mean? Like, we can't lose. If you think we can't win, then you're thinking of winning in the wrong terms, Mm. you know? We're not going to win through board meetings. We're not going to get enough cultural capital to Mm. swing
0: things. I mean, after Peter's confession of the Christ, right? Yeah. yeah. you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. yeah. People quote that uh, as if we're on the defense, Yeah, but gates are a defensive measure. Yes, we are storming the gates. We're assaulting the gates of hell. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a great observation. Gates don't move. Yeah. (laughs) And we're all over here just like preparing for the gates. (laughs) Here come the gates. (laughs) Here come the gates. Like the gates are coming. Someone needs to stand up and be like, boys, those gates haven't moved. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, I don't think, I think we're supposed to go that way. I think we're supposed to go that way. Move forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the gates are coming.
1: <laughs>
0: That's the Gates great. Foundation's coming.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So the, the, the task of creating culture is inevitable. It's just which one will it be? And, and Christians obviously want to be a Christian culture. And, uh, we achieve that through preaching the gospel and as people are converted to Christ and live their entire lives in every sphere under his reign. And we need to give ourselves to that, whether it is successful in the sense of influencing the culture towards, you know, public change and good, praise God for that, or whether it's not, Um, whether we are, you know, whether we are like the early missionaries to China who spend decades seeing little yeah. and then the next generation sees an explosion of fruit. Yeah. We just we are like farmers. We sow the seeds and we go home and we sleep and it is God who gives the growth. Right. We have we can't control that. But the fact that we've been given the mission is not contingent upon our looking down and seeing what the harvest will be. God is the lord of the harvest. We're just laborers and our job is is to go.
0: Mm. I was just reading that parable today about the uh, servants that come in from the field. Yeah, uh, and it says, "Are they, you know? Do you expect that they'll just sit down and relax right away?" No, they have to serve. Right. The master of the house, and then when they're done, um, you know, they say, "Well, what else could we do?" Uh, well, how does it, how does it put it? Uh, we are uh, unprofitable servants. Mm-hmm. We only did what was required of mm-hmm. us, and that's kind of the attitude we should have. It's like mm-hmm. every time we're obedient. We shouldn't pat ourselves on the back or ask for some blessing because we did what was demanded of us. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we have, uh, we've been forgiven. We have the greatest gift ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to just live in obedience to that mm-hmm. and be thankful. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Any, any other idols you want to knock over here? I mean, there's, there's lots of them
2: well we we um I think you made a good observation that especially in Canada, we need to get comfortable with the fact that our our mission is to challenge and confront the idols of our age. Mm-hmm. Jesus clearly did that, and Christians really overlook that like i I know I've said it multiple times on the podcast, but it stood out to me. Over the last two years, that people really don't read the story about Jesus and the Pharisees properly because they put the Pharisees as like legalistic Christians or something, and they don't they don't put them in the they don't they're not the characters that that they actually were. Um, they were the the greatest opponents to Jesus' ministry. Like every gospel writer paints them in this light. Mm-hmm. Of all the things that happened in Jesus' life in his thirty-three odd years on this earth, it is amazing how much screen time, so to speak, in the gospels is given to these people—the yeah, th- rulers of the age, as yeah. Luke says later in the Book of Acts.
0: I think partly too, because they—I mean, they—they they maybe weren't the most politically influential. I, you know, from what I've heard, the Sadducees had a a little more of a, a stronghold on the politics of the matter, but it seemed like the Pharisees had more influence with the people.
2: Well, this, this I was just going to say, it's like, okay, maybe in the in Roman court, so to speak, but yeah. clearly um, people were afraid of, when you was it the, the blind man or the la, um, lame man who was healed, yeah. and they're asking him all these questions, and they bring in the parents, and they were afraid to answer because they didn't, didn't want to be put the, out. Yeah. So clearly,
0: the Pharisees were
2: these social and cultural gatekeepers.
0: That guy might be one of my favorite. It's uh, amazing healed, he, oh. well, of all the, the post healed yeah. characters, yeah, he's one of the best. Yeah, do you want to be his yeah, disciple? You, too? you want to be one of his disciples? <laughs> too? I already told you. <laughs> didn't, didn't you write it down the first time? Like, <laughs> so good, That's and so they good. were so indignant. Yeah, yeah. The guy's a legend. I can't wait to meet that guy. I know. I'm like, remember that time? <laughs> hey. Oh yeah, tell me about the pool. I want to. I want to know about the pool. Yeah, um, but but yeah, basically
2: yeah. the the um, focusing on Jesus is kind of Jesus meek and mild, or Jesus just doing good and healing people quietly and face the unfortunate, you know, um, consequence of being too nice and mean. People came along. It's like Jesus picked a fight, mm-hmm. and and he he fought in a. Christ-like way, and we need to look at how he fought, right? Yeah, obviously he's but, the most Christ-like person ever. You know what? <laughs> that will go down as the most insightful comment. It's
0: funny, but you have to say it sometimes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but
2: he, but he challenged the idols, yeah, of the time and and the false religion of the people. This is the pattern of Paul and uh, the the disciples hmm. in the early church.
0: Have you heard of a book? Uh, the the author's name is escaping me but I think the title of the book is The Maker Versus the Takers I have heard of it I haven't read it it's I've heard I've heard the author interviewed a couple times uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to tie this in but it's it's a lot about the economics of mm. the situation so mm-hmm. the Galilee versus Judea you mm-hmm. know Judea being the center of power Galilee mm. being like more of a backwoods middle class area and uh, this guy frames a lot of the interactions Jesus has with the Pharisees uh, as uh, economic struggles mm-hmm. and he's i mean he's not reducing it to that but he's saying Jesus is addressing economic issues and we don't we don't really think about that mm-hmm. and um I again haven't read it uh, mm-hmm. it sounds like an interesting interesting read I mm-hmm. uh, mean you could think of the Jesus and the money changers mm-hmm. right there was there was more going on there than just money, but there was money issues mm-hmm. and economic issues going on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you said, yeah, Jesus meek and mild. He's only talking about, you know, I'm going to save you, mm-hmm. forgive you from your sins. Like there's there's more going on there mm-hmm. regarding the kingdom and the scope of the kingdom. Yeah. Well, yeah.
2: the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. The Sermon on the Mount was, um, what kind of what does hmm. a citizen of the kingdom look like? Right? What does the son of the kingdom look like? How do they live their life as far as their virtues, which will bleed into every single thing that they do? Um. So yeah, we we just need to accept the fact that as a church, we've been called to tear down idols. Yeah. That doesn't mean you know necessarily going out and and tearing down statues. It's not synonymous with being belligerent. No. This is what this is the problem. A lot of Christians hear that and they're like. That doesn't sound very Christ-like. Right.
1: So.
0: It just struck me that one of the reasons a lot of people, a lot of Christians don't want to do this is because we probably have a right understanding that you can't argue somebody into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So we, we, then we wrongly think to ourselves, well, why would I go and confront their sin or this idol they have in their life? That's not going to get them converted, mm-hmm. right? They need regeneration. They need the Holy Spirit. Um, but I don't think... I don't think we have to um, expect their conversion in order to be faithful mm-hmm. in calling out people's sin or the idols in their lives or yeah. in, in their culture. Like, you know, like we want to fight against the evil of abortion because people are being murdered. Mm-hmm. Not not necessarily because we're going to try and get everybody saved that's involved in that practice, but we want justice.
2: Yeah, well, Paul, yes, justice. And and Paul also attacks the false beliefs of the age um, not to win the people he's confronting, but to preserve the people he's trying to protect mm. from false ideas, every wind and wave of false doctrine that blows around, um, the, the philosophies of the age. You know, he talks about it in Colossians, mm. that Paul's concern, it's not, when you say, it's like, we're well, not going to win anyone that way. It's like, well, that's not the only reason we do it. We do it because, as John told the church in First John, little children, keep yourself from idols. The, the da- There's always a danger for believers to resort to unbelief and to resort to idolatry. Yeah. To fall, that's what the old man does that we need to put to death. And so part of how we help Christians to overcome that is by showing how the idols are false, how what they promise is Is they cannot deliver on how they are actually a counterfeit of the one true God, yeah. And you expose them for what they are.
0: This is what Paul did, uh, on Mars Hill,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, and that was somewhat evangelistic as well. But if you think about Colossians, for example, this is pastoral, right? This is not primarily to convince the people that he's criticizing, it's to protect the people in the church, and so the sad. Irony behind this is when you don't confront the idols, you get a church full of idolaters. Because you just they can't tell the difference between the world and Christ. Right. And in attacking idols, because idols are a counterfeit, right? Idols are prom they, I don't need to say anything more. They are a counterfeit.
0: And, and they're unless, attractive.
2: And unless you're holding up the real thing, you can't tell it's a counterfeit. Yeah. And so the task of the preacher is always to recognize the false worship of the people and to expose it to the light of Christ and the gospel and the true and living God and to show how he is superior in every way. Mm. And that is the antidote um, against idolatry. So even if you're like, well, I don't know about, you know, the public square, it's like, this is a pastoral concern as well, not just a public thing. Mm. But if we think public, I mean the irony is well we should just do evangelism. It's like, okay, we'll do it. Bec- like where where how, where, are where are should do you it. be doing that? In the public square. Yeah. And and <laughs> if what you mean is the preacher should be preaching evangelistically to largely saved people every, once a week, that is that's not that's not a comprehensive biblical view of evangelism. I mean, Jesus went, go. You know what I mean? Like this is the language used of evangelism, and um, how will people believe if they haven't heard? Not not praying that people come to you. And how
0: will they hear if somebody's not sent? Exactly,
2: to them? Yeah. it's a sending, it's a going, it's a proclaiming, it's a heralding of something, and so that is that is always public in Jesus' ministry, in the disciples' ministry. That's what it is. So. It's it's somewhat ironic. It's self contradictory to use evangelism as a way to avoid public ministry. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But again, those are Canadian. Those are Canadian categories, not biblical categories. Mm. Mm. So yes, the church has been given the task of taking dominion, which means they've been given the task of creating culture, and. um not
0: whether yeah. it's it's which, and you know when we're obedient, that culture forms. Yeah, it just it just forms naturally. Yeah, you know when we sing songs to each other, when yeah, uh, uh, when we when we meet to pray, when we meet to study, when we raise our children properly, mm-hmm. you create that. Just culture happens. Yeah, and we want. I mean, we want that to flow out.
2: Mm-hmm. And and we should maybe conclude by saying that. Um, that art music is a very uh, important component
0: i think so yeah. because
2: it is it is a reflection it is like i see it as like the overflow of a culture you know what i mean it's, yeah. if, if our everyday actions they are an overflow as well but what we sing about singing is like our our expression we're trying to find a fitting way to express our beliefs Whether it be an affection towards someone, a hatred for someone, um, a love for ourselves, whatever those things are, Mm. that it's like they're not fully expressed until they're put to music or they're put to some form. There needs to be a form, an outlet for these things. This is why every culture
0: makes art. Yes. Like, it's not like someone told them to do it. It is a... It may be good art or it may be bad art. Yeah. But it's art. Yeah. They're, They're doing it.
2: And... You can tell how well the church is doing at this this culture building, in the art that it produces, and if you just if you just turn on a Christian music station, I mean it's basically like what I said about idolatry. We're just imitating the world, and not doing a good job at it. Yeah, I mean I we've talked about this off air, but it just it's just a super bummer when I hear. Unbelievers make way better music than Christians. And it's not because we don't have the money and the resources to do it that they have a better studio or something. It's just that we're, we're not actually digging deep wells, and we're not actually have this comprehensive vision of Christ that results in an overflow of richness. We have this truncated, narrow reductionist, and we've resorted to just imitating people.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this is what I was getting at earlier when I said that art is not synonymous with culture. Yeah, but it's the fruit and the flower of it. Yes, right. And so, because we've truncated the the gospel, yeah the the outflow of that is going to shallow. It'll be shallow it's too. Shallow. And so, I mean, we talk, we joke around a lot about how I'm a music snob. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't like a lot of music, mm-hmm. uh, Christian or secular. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff I like is generally older. Um, heavy and, synth, <laughs> heavy synth, soul music. Um, I like a lot. I like a lot of stuff like that. Uh, I love classical music, but um, I can I can listen to music that I like, kind of loathe, mm. like modern music, and still think that was like really well done. Yeah, like you, you know, we're joking about the country station. And yeah, like I turn it on and I it just, it's all so horrible because they're not saying anything important. Mm-hmm. Like rarely is anybody saying anything important. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, I don't care how good it is mm-hmm. if they're not saying anything important. Yeah. But the flip side is true for me too. Uh, if you're saying something important poorly, I'm not going to listen as much. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I forget where I was going with that, but it, yeah, I think, I think that's all I wanted to say. Well,
2: Christians, Christians should, you know, adorn the truth. With music and and in art.
0: And, and with beauty, with yeah. beauty. Oh, that's where I was going with this. Like, so the the humanists, the materialists, they make a ton of art. Mm-hmm. They do it well technically, but it's so ugly mm-hmm. and hopeless. Like, look at their architecture; mm-hmm. it's just stunningly vapid and like mm-hmm. gray. And um, <laughs> I saw there was a, uh, a guy. It's named, deconstructionist. It oh. is deconstruction. It's it's.
2: It's the antithesis. It's like, how do I avoid what is traditional? It's not actually, it's not. It's like a, it's not a positive vision. No, it's not. It's like this is how we've done things. I'm going to do not that.
0: Yeah, on purpose. On purpose. In in a jarring way.
2: Yeah, it's 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 actually an inverted impulse.
0: Yeah, it's it's a marring of the truth mm-hmm. intentionally. Mm-hmm. So it makes ugly art, mm-hmm. even though it may be you know, in some ways proficient, Mm -hmm. uh, technically. So we need to, we need to spin that around and say, listen, like if your worldview isn't, isn't Christ centered, you're going to make ugly art and it's going to, it's just going to suck. So,
2: but Christians related to this episode, Christians need to realize that this is our task. Like in the history in the last 2000 years, the greatest poetry, the greatest music, the greatest architecture, like what, what is standing no, mm-hmm. from from five hundred years ago, thousand years churches. That's it. Yeah. Like, well, there's a couple of castles barely, and they don't compare. They don't compare to most cathedrals. As have, far as have you
0: seen the addition on that museum in Toronto? No, it's ugly. You've got half a building that's beautiful old brick, nice architecture. Oh, and is then, it like the glass? It's like yeah, off yeah, everything's, angles everything's and stuff. on angles. There's staircases yeah. going nowhere. Literally, it's just. Like you said, it's it's deconstructing. Yeah, and it shoots out of the old building like a piece of uh, uh, what's it called when, when ice crystal? Yeah, like a crystal. Right. It shoots out like a crystal on all these weird angles. Yeah, and it's just intentionally horrible.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. like
0: there's novelty. You know? Yeah, but novelty is not that doesn't make good art. No, it's not. That's an a inherent whole episode. But, yeah, I recommend uh, Roger Scruton's book mm. on beauty if you want to dive into that topic but yeah so culture let's uh let's make it let's make it. <laughs> let's make good culture. we'll have those t-shirts godly, up next godly week. culture <laughs> culture um, let's make it right and of course don't misunderstand us this isn't uh this isn't creating uh culture apart from Apart from preaching the gospel and evangelism, no, they have to go hand in hand, and that's mm-hmm. what we've been talking about. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe we'll leave it at that. What do you uh, you got? Any good reads on the go? I I started Joe Boot's new book. Okay, I was
2: just going to say I'm still working through that. Yeah,
0: yeah, I only got one chapter in.
2: Yeah, I'm reading. Um, I picked up something to read on motherhood, an edited work. Hmm. I forget. I think it might be a Desiring God one. It's got a good. So I'm preaching on motherhood on Sunday, so. Nice. And I'm not one. No. So, and I'm not a biologist, Why but Why are I do you such a that. bigot?
0: <laughs> I always knew you were a bigot. Now you're finally showing your true colors here. <laughs> yeah. It's You can't even joke about it anymore. I mean, it's just so ridiculous, yeah. the whole situation, isn't but it? But we need to joke about it. We need, yeah, we need to laugh at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can see us. Mm-hmm. I want them to see me laughing at them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just think of Elijah. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, your God. What's he doing? Is he uh, relieving himself? Or yeah. Is he having a nap? Like I don't think he, he hears you. Just get home from a long journey? Is he tired? <laughs> like <laughs> Your God's not much of a God, is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll leave you with this. And uh, we look forward to having you back mm-hmm. next time on the Dominion Podcast, episode 46. Don't know what we're talking about. We've we've got a couple guests in the pipeline that we've been toying around uh, getting some people on. So If people have questions, they can send them in. Yeah, actually send them in. Can they contact us through the substack? They can, yeah. So through the substack or uh, jeremy at thedominionpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, .com. I do check that email. Um, so I will get it if you send mm-hmm. something there. I'd love to hear your questions, comments, uh, complaints, uh, suggestions on how to make our video look better. <laughs> suggestions that don't involve us getting makeovers or new faces. Yeah, we can't fix that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just the way God made us. <laughs> anyway, may He have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. We'll see you next time.